0: Hello, welcome from the Umbro Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles. This is Nathan Jones from the Melbourne Football Club. Phil Davis from the GOS Giant. That's Brad Aver from the Port Adelaide Football Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, you got MJ. Hope you've been enjoying the 50 most relevant. And before we get to the number one player, and chances are you've figured out who it is before they are officially revealed tomorrow, unless I do completely lose my marbles, which I wouldn't discount that, by the way. Before we get to the number one player, I wanted to take a few minutes and chat about 10 players that here at the coaches panel we thought were really unlucky to miss that 50 most relevant list. To help me do the countdown of just 10 of the players, we could do even more, but we've just picked a group of 10. i got Rids on. Hello, mate. How are you?
1: Hey, buddy. How you going?
0: I'm good. Like we said, tomorrow we reveal that number one player. And again, no massive surprises. We won't say the name just yet. But look, no massive surprises who it is. But right over these kind of past 49 days... It's all been about starting the fantasy football conversation in the preseason and starting to define what makes a player relevant. Because you have spoken about uh, throughout countless years, many members of the coaches panel throughout this series as well, talking about uh, players' relevance isn't just about their ability to score well. It's looking at cash cows. It's looking at, at these breakout candidates. And right throughout the 50 most relevant, these are the sort of players we've looked at.
1: And not just that, it's also looking at guys, okay, who might have ownership, big, high ownership numbers, and might not perform well. Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, they're relevant in the other way. So, look at Jack Billings last year. Yeah. He's a perfect example. He didn't perform well. People who didn't start him actually got a nice little jump.
0: Yep. No, exactly right. And what, at the end of the day, the 50 most relevant, it's a very subjective list. It's just, a, I, I think these are the most relevant in some kind of chronological order. And whether you choose to agree or disagree, um, that's actually okay. The preseason is actually not about being right or wrong. The preseason is about having conversations, challenging each other in a healthy way, figuring things out to get to the ultimate ideal structure, set up. And the premiums, the breakouts, the cash cows that you believe are going to help you the most. And that's what the preseason is all about.
1: Yeah, it's all about discussion. No one's right. No one's wrong. There's no season. Everyone's on equal first right now.
0: No, that's very, very true. But let's talk about 10 guys that really, as we started to create the list, as I started to filter down who I thought were the 50 most relevant players, it started to become apparent that guys that were still very, very relevant we're not going to fit into this top 50. And so we've just picked a group of, of 10 of them that I wanted to highlight. We could have done another 50 that could fit in the 50, but that's we just don't have the time to do that. So we've picked 10. Let's kick it off with Melbourne co-captain, Jack Viney. He's already had some really strong, substantial seasonal averages back in 2016 in AFL, Fantasy, and Dream Team. He has averaged 100 before. Um, Numerous seasons in Supercoach where he's averaged over the 90 marker. And that's exactly where he found himself after last year. Seven games, an average of around about 91, 92, depending on the salary cap format you choose to play. Because of such a small games played, he does have a discount. But as we saw in the finals, mate, especially in those really hotly contested games of the semi and the elimination final, gosh, this guy can crack in and score well.
1: So, I mean, it's obvious, though. Like, I mean, the breakout, the mid, me, like, what would you call it, the mid prices. So we've got the Crouch in there. We've yeah. got, like, Miles in there. We've got Hanbury. We had Libba. So, I mean, someone's going to have to miss out. So, yeah. this guy's probably the next one in line, I mean, if you're not looking at a North Melbourne guy. So, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, I can make a case for him. I can make a case against him, really. He's got a good buy round. Yep. He looks fit. He hasn't missed a beat, apparently, this preseason. So, I mean, 450-odd thousand in super Coach, and what is he in Dream Team? Um, He's not much different in Dream Team. No, he's very comparable, yeah. Yeah, um so I mean, yeah, you can understand why like why people would be looking at him. Yeah. He's gone over a hundred in Dream Team before, gone, as you said, over 90, 97 I think it was a couple of years ago in Supercode. Yeah,
0: ninety six
1: point four, yeah. Yeah. Durability probably a question mark. Um sure. because I mean when people come back from that injury, like it does take a bit of time. But, I mean, he's always going to tackle. He's always going to be playing as a midfielder. There's no more role issues with him at the moment because of harms. So, yeah, look, I mean, I can understand why he would be relevant to you, but I can also understand why he doesn't make the top 50.
0: Yeah, exactly right. And you, there are so many of these sort of guys that we just can't pick all of them in that category. And so you're right. That's, that's why one of the reasons he slid out. Um, would you consider him in any specific format? If there was one you were really going to lock him in, that would be the one format that you'd really chase after him?
1: Well, I think he's a little bit priced out of it in um, Dream Team, to be honest, at that price. Mm. so I mean, if you're looking at that price tag, you know, it's nearly $200,000 more than Miles. Yeah. So- it does make it a little bit awkward. I'm just trying to find AFL. Sorry, it's I'm just
0: six hundred and four thousand in AFL fantasy.
1: Yeah, again, he's a little bit pricey, isn't he? So I'd probably go him in super coach, but it'd be a direct. So the way that I often do with starting teams, okay, is I look at guys, okay, around that same price tag. So I'd be looking at Brad Crouch potentially sure. versus, um, uh, what was his Jack Vimey? Yep. So. Viney's got a better buy um, yes. probably has a little bit slightly better history in the last five years. but yep. I mean that's probably give or take. Crouch is probably more talented. So I mean it's it's toss of the coin really, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it really does become down to that perspective. I think Jack Viney an incredible option. Maybe priced out of it a little bit in some formats, but in terms of his kind of ability to score well, the likelihood of him either being tagged or being used as the tagger is really, really low now that Harms has come in and played that role. We saw him as a tagger at varying points in his early development. That's not going to happen now. He's going to be allowed to hunt the ball and hunt the man, but not have to play accountable football as his primary focus. So again, very relevant. Just couldn't quite squeeze him into the top 50.
1: And I should mention as well, because it's one of my pet hates, um, the buy round isn't really relevant unless you're looking at two guys that you think are going to score roughly the same, and you've got to choose one of them.
0: Yeah, exactly right. Sometimes you need to certainly factor in the buys, but they should not determine your ability to pick a player that you believe is going to be one of the best options. Correct. Let's talk about the other another player that's just missed out, and again, it's probably on the sheer fact that he's going to miss the opening couple of games of the year, and that is Andrew Gaff. The West Coast Eagle, last year, took his fantasy game to a whole nother level. He's had seasonal averages of 100 before. Uh, in 2015, he averaged 104 in Dream Team and Fantasy, 103 in Supercoach. Uh, in 2017, in AFL Fantasy, uh, he had a seasonal average of 100. But last year, he, he took it up at next gear one ten in dream team and fantasy uh, and then that 108 in super coach top 8 midfielder in terms of points scored that we were getting prior to him missing the remainder of the year with suspension that will carry on so it won't be till round 3 so he's a pure upgrade target but man this guy just finds a way to score and he took his ceiling up another notch as well last year
1: and not only that, like he's got a little bit of redemption. I mean, he missed the yeah. grand final last year, missed the premiership because of us, like a brain fart. That's really, all it, it was. Two that.
0: seconds where he it just the heat of the moment got the best of him. He's obviously doing and done his time and missed out on the ultimate success as a footballer because of it. But really, from the fantasy perspective, he can go. Big 120s, 130s, 140s for us. He barely misses a game. In fact, over the past couple of years, prior to suspension, he just missed one game since 2012. And that was back in 2016. So he's durable. He's consistent. He's got a really good ceiling. And you're right. I think he's got a point to prove heading into 2019.
1: And he's only twenty six. Yeah, like. it's ridiculous. So, I mean, he's still got four or five, six years left. to like of really good gut running, like efforts, like he does. So, and then he also proved that he could handle the tag. Yeah. You. So, so he's done. He's ticked all the boxes. Um, so, yeah, I like. I mean, again, the only reason why he probably isn't top ten in the relevant is um, suspension of those first two games.
0: He's missing a couple of games, and that's it. But he will be a guy that you can bring in very, very early on into your sides, that round 13 by maybe starts to become a factor when it comes to upgrading. Um, when we get some clarity about how that Collingwood midfield may or may not work, that could be an interesting option. Elliot Yo, uh, you've got a couple of Brisbane Lion players in the midfield you may be looking at, including a Lockie Neil for Supercoach. Clayton Oliver's through there. So, that that may start to become a factor, but um, at least at this point on it, he looks like he could be really unique as an upgrade target.
1: Yeah, most definitely. And um, if you're league-focused, then He's definitely a guy that you'd be looking at in the next, you know, in the first four or five games of the season.
0: Yeah, from round four, five, six, if you got the opportunity, I'd certainly consider bringing him in.
1: Let's talk about another
0: player that was unlucky to miss, Taylor Adams. The reason he's unlucky to miss is just a couple of years ago when Nathan Buckley allowed him to be the ball-winning midfielder that we know he can be, which was back in 2017. He averaged 114 in Dream Team and Fantasy and 107 in Supercoach. Last year, a little bit of readjustment to his role in varying times, but towards the back end of the year, he started to find his role. From round 18 through to the end of the year, his lowest score in AFL Dream Team and Fantasy was a 93. He had just the three scores under 100. While in Supercoach, his lowest score from round 17 right through, including the grand final, was a 90. In the semifinal against GWS, he only had two games that he didn't turn up. So he flew home. But there's one big question mark I've got about him, because I love Taylor Adams as a footballer. Um, in and under, not going to hurt you with disposal efficiency. With the guys around him, he's never going to get tagged. The giant question mark I have is, Beams comes into that side, and while I think Taylor should still be in the midfield, Bucks has shown continually now over his career that he's prepared to use Taylor Adams
1: as that filler gap player in their side. Nothing um. If Buckley came out and said, Taylor Adams is going to play pure midfield, he'd be in everyone's team. Absolutely. But instead, he doesn't say that. (laughs) So, I mean, there's talk about who fits where, when, you know, you've got kids coming through like Degowie, Sear, you've got Stevenson. Yeah. you know, they're all running through the midfields. Are they going to tag with Levi Greenwood? We saw mm-hmm. that happen last year in the finals. You know, yeah. Greenwood went to Dusty. So, I mean, all of these options, you've got Daniel Wells to come back.
0: <laughs> Jamie well, Elliott, who's, you know, a different player, but again,
1: another I, player to squeeze in. Well, Jamie Elliott frees up Degowie to go into the midfield yeah. as well. So, I mean, it's just all of these question marks. And I... I just don't think he's... like You want to have a look at it first, don't you?
0: Yeah, that's the thing is, um, even if he gets that role, I'd still have some concern about it because as we saw last year with that Collingwood structure, those opening couple of games, and and really was that game against the Crows at Adelaide Oval that everything clicked for their side and their structure and their plans. Uh, But Bucks has shown more than countless times he's prepared to sacrifice even very good players to put them in different roles to get that structure and set up just right.
1: I think that's the thing, isn't it, really? Like, when we look at guys around the same price range, okay, so I'm looking at a Dusty Martin, sure. okay, in Dream Team and AFL Fantasy. At least we know that he spent countless minutes forward off the ball. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, new rule changes, um, less congestion, Tom Lynch going into the Richmond team. I could see more upside of yeah. him going into the midfield. I can't see that like, there's no transparency there with Collingwood. No. Yes, Adams is an absolute midfield bull. Of course he is. Yeah. But, I mean, we don't know. We don't know where he's going to play. We don't know what impact Beams has. Yes. We don't know if they tag. Like, I mean, I've seen um, plenty of match simulations so far where he is playing midfield. But, as you said he's been prone to be playing midfield for half a game and then the next half he just disappears and he's out of the game because the coach gets him to do something else. Yeah. So it's just an odd... And I love Taylor Adams. As good, you know that. Like oh. I mean, I tipped him to be the top scorer a couple of years ago in Dream Team. So yeah. I love this kid. Like, But I just I couldn't pick him. And due to that, I don't think he's relevant because we're looking at all the formats I don't think he's relevant in Supercoach at all at mm. that price
0: tag. Yeah, you're right. There's some real interesting things. And and it's you mentioned this interesting idea of match simulation in intra-clubs. Well, of course he's going to be playing midfield because they're using their entire list to play against each other. So anyone that's in that midfield rotation is going to be playing midfield. And so really it is the JLT community series. You've got to watch his role. But even then... I just don't trust it. I still don't trust how Collingwood are going to use that midfield time. Beams is coming in to play a lot of midfield time. That's going to impact somebody's role, somebody's fantasy scores, and unfortunately, history says Adams is the one that is more likely to be moved out and about and around, as opposed to side bottom Pendlebury Trelaw. That's and my the other concern. thing.
1: The other thing as well is, I'd I reckon that's why Trelaw's a little bit lower than what we would have expected. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, you know, if these guys have the role, 100%. Totally. Right, you know, happy days. But we just can't guarantee it.
0: Yeah. We're here in the middle of February recording this, no GLT community series. And that's the concern and the talking point for us around Taylor Adams.
1: Let's but can talk- he also let's just talk about that. We're not we're talking about a match where yep. his role changes. Yeah. He's got to play midfield to twenty three rounds, especially yeah. in Dream Team and Supercoach where it's limited trade. Yeah. Different in AFL, AFL fantasy. fantasy. I think AFL fantasy is probably worth a punt, but I, I see better options around the same price tag. But that's just me, it's gonna be a personal preference. Yeah. Collingwood do have a decent enough buy. Lots um, of early Thursday so-
0: Friday night games.
1: Yes, I mean, but I mean that that's not going to help you in AFL fantasy, but in the role in lo- um lockouts of um dream team and Supercoach, it might help you. But yeah, I I I can see the reason in in AFL fantasy um but yeah, I I just couldn't do it in the other two.
0: Yeah, no, and that's fair enough too. Let's talk about the next player and probably one of the biggest surprise omissions for many through the 50 most well, relevant was last year's number one scoring forward that we've got in 2019. Devin Smith not making the 50. That's probably the big shock and surprise for people, especially coming off the back of a seasonal average of 106.6 in Dream Team and Fantasy a 97.8 in Supercoach. The fact that he's not in the top 50 for some probably feels like I've missed something. And maybe that's a fair argument, and that's okay. But I've still got two big concerns about Devin Smith. Here's my two big concerns. Number one, how the heck did he get forward status? Um, No, um, what does Dylan Scheel coming into that side mean for him and his role? And he built up so much of his scoring through the tackle column, like record-breaking levels he was delivering. Can he do that and maintain that intensity level again as the AFL are looking to try to open up the game with some new rules?
1: I suppose the other question mark as well is, like if we're doing it across all formats, is how super coach relevant is he?
0: Well, let's talk about that super coach format for a second. And I want to throw some names out to you that are there and thereabouts, maybe some more, maybe some less. And I want you to tell me if you believe that Devin Smith is, they're more likely to go top 10. Maybe we'll do
1: that. Is do you
0: believe they're a candidate to genuinely be a top 10 scoring forward? Patrick
1: Dangerfield. Well, I think he's a lock.
0: Yeah, Tom Hawkins.
1: Well, I again, like, I mean, he was in the top few he's last. He's top year, two so, last year. Yeah. So, I mean, I could see him easily. Like, he didn't have the greatest of seasons either, and he especially was especially early two. on.
0: Yeah, exactly right. So,
1: I mean, he he really he his scoring is quite decent in SuperCoach. So, yeah, potentially yes. All
0: right, let's pick guys that aren't in the top five. Um, Isaac Heaney.
1: Uh, yeah, I think Heaney breaks out to the Uber. This
0: year. Another guy that's unlucky not to make the 50 most relevant, Robbie Gray.
1: Again, he only has to be fit. He had such a poor year last year, and he was like, what? Did, he averaged almost the same as um, Devon.
0: Ninety-six point eight. He? he averaged last yeah, year. Yeah,
1: like I think it was point two or point three different. Like, yeah, it's
0: one point one. yeah. yeah.
1: All right. So you can um, see a lot of improvement in Gray and not so much in Devon Smith. So, I mean, I could see him outscoring Devon Smith. Yes. All right.
0: Let me roll through 10 more names that could potentially make the top 10. Uh, really quickly. David Mundy, Josh Dunkley, Toby McLean, Tim Kelly, Jack Rewalt, Chad Wingard, Travis Boak, uh, and I'll even just throw one in just for lols, um, someone like Jack Billings, All of these guys, you could build a a pretty sizable conversation that they are more relevant in Super Coach. some because they're cheaper, some because they're coming back from down years. You could build a case they all comfortably outscore, Devin.
1: Yeah, but you could also build a case for guys like Lower On, if you want to keep going. Tom Lynch. Tom Lynch, Joe Danaher, um, all of those sort of big forwards that may do a little bit of ruck work through the games. So, I mean... Yeah, I've got I've got reservations about Devin Smith. Not so much in Dream Team, but I do I he's definitely one I want to take on in AFL fantasy as a yeah. starting team.
0: Yeah, agree.
1: I agree. I mind you, let let's be absolutely honest here. Like I reckon he misses the top fifty just to have a conversation about him afterwards. That may be the truth. <laughs> so so I reckon that like I mean he's very unlucky to miss the top. Of course 50, he is. Okay? He's, he's going to be in a high percentage of teams across the team. Absolutely. Um, he could very well do a Billings.
0: Absolutely. Well, you look at his, you know, again, I, I think we've both kind of said from a super coach perspective, I've got so many concerns, In more in terms of, I just see other players overtaking him, that I don't know if he's top 10 and as such, he kind of drifts out of relevance a little bit, at least, you know, certainly as a starting squad option. In Dream Team and Fantasy, if this is a 50 most relevant for Fantasy and Dream Team, he makes the list comfortably. So that certainly has hurt him. But last year in Dream Team and Fantasy, look, you know, it was round three against the Dogs. He got a 72. Uh, The next time he's going under 90 was in round 15 against North Melbourne. And and that's pretty much it. Like the guy just delivered 90s week in, week out. And so I I couldn't start him. Um, But gosh, in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, I'd probably want him in my completed side if he can get anywhere near cooey of what he did last year
1: yeah but see this is the thing we've got short memories in fantasy football, don't we? Mm-hmm. So Devon Smith, three years ago, if we were to trying to decide between three years ago Devon Smith and Toby Green, Toby Green was well ahead of him, of course he was Rightio. Devon Smith had just as many injury problems he's torn his um partially torn his bicep now. How does that affect his tackling? He was tackling at ten tackles a game last year. Mm. Okay, so, I mean, how does that affect it? Does he play more midfield? Does he play more forward? Does he play more half-forward? How do the new rules affect a small, crumbing type lead-up type of guy like Devin Smith? Because he's not going to be that seventh midfielder anymore. No. You know, pushing up into the midfield so around the contest. So how does that affect him? Like, there's a lot of question marks about Devin Smith. But as I was saying... Only a couple of years ago, Devon Smith was very, very injury prone and Toby Green was miles ahead. And look at where we are now. For half the price, nearly half the price, you can get Toby Green over Devon Smith.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting point, isn't
1: it? Let's... So if you've got Toby Green in the top 50, then I could see why Devon Smith might be slightly lower.
0: Yep, no, exactly right. Exactly right. But again,
1: I think he's a very good pick,
0: just maybe not a starter. <laughs> Let's talk about the next guy who's unlucky to miss because all of these guys are unlucky. Toby McLean, he flew home late in 2016, um, in 2017 rather, should I say, started 2018 on fire, did have a little bit of a shoulder um, moment midway through a game that kind of didn't really mean he missed any more games, but probably started to be a bit more outside than inside as a midfielder, as we'd seen. But look, a seasonal average of 94 across all of the formats, didn't miss a game. You could build a case that if he's fit and firing, he adds some great X factor into that Bulldogs midfield.
1: Oh, most definitely. And, like, I mean, especially in Supercoach. Yep. He had a run last year, okay, between round six and round ten, where I think he was averaging about 130. Yeah. Like, so, again, I can see the question marks, though, mate. Like, Libertore coming back, does that mean Toby McLean plays as much inside? Dow House leaving... Does that mean Toby McLean needs to be a little bit more forward? Mm. Like, I could definitely see the question marks. Can he reproduce those numbers based on you know, the way that he plays the game? So, yeah, I could definitely see why he misses, but, jeez, he's unlucky to miss.
0: He's, he is unlucky to miss because, you're right, there's huge hundreds, in the, especially in the front half of the year and even towards the back half of the year, there's some big numbers, but there's question marks about just how Luke Beveridge chooses to play his Bulldogs. Does Josh Dunkley retain in that midfield space? Not, does he not? Tom Liberatore, another player from the 50 Most Relevant, the impact he has on the inside, and then a young kid that they're really excited about in in a Bailey Smith coming into that midfield unit as well. Someone's got to get squeezed some of their inside time. Someone's got to replace Dowhouse's forward pressure. And that's where Toby McLe- McLean started his career. I still think he's a good pick. I've just got concerns.
1: Yep, and I can see why. Let's talk to the
0: next player. Todd Goldstein. It, 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 he flew home last year. Like, and again fantastic super coach especially player very very handy a couple of years back in dream team and fantasy back in 2015 that monster year where he went 113 in dream team and fantasy 128 in super coach but last year um, after a little bit of a slowish sort of start, especially in super coaches where he is really relevant, outside of maybe, I think it was against Brisbane in round 20, from like round nine onwards, he pretty much tunned up every single week in super coach. He's he certainly firing along, still a very, very good option. But the concern is, I'm seeing a lot of people go for him at the moment, but they're using the, well, Proust isn't their logic. But the fact is, Proust didn't play
1: last year. Yeah, which is odd, isn't it? Because yeah. they also picked up Todd um Tom Campbell in the preseason. So I, I'm a little bit confused about it as well because he's not getting any younger. He's thirty already mm. before the season starts. Like I mean, he had a massive couple of years, which was great. Like yeah. but he hasn't been able to reproduce his best year. And the best year after he's like he's a good well, he's a fifteen, twenty points less. Yeah. In Supercoach. Like So I'm actually a little bit confused. I don't see that the new ruck rules are going to help him because he's getting a little bit older. He's not... A couple of years ago, he was seen as like um, a very mobile ruckman when in his prime of 27, 28, 26, 27. Mm. He's not as mobile these days. Um, He actually... I think he struggles to keep up with the Gorns and the Grundys and stuff, the younger kids coming through. So, yeah, I'm, I'm... I'm a little bit baffled um, why he's as liked as he is. Like I could see, I could see people taking that option because there really isn't much after Gorn and Grundy is there in the rucks. Nice. So, but I mean, me personally would like someone like a Nankurvis probably over a Goldstein. But I mean, again, personal preference. Like. But I could see why he definitely misses the top 50.
0: Yeah, and and again, his relevance probably for me really is super coach, if anywhere. And and, and like I said, 12 of his last 14 games last year were over the tonne. Barrier, which is certainly fantastic, but again, it was something that was highlighted as we spoke about Max Gorn, um on his podcast and article at CoachesPanel.tv, and also uh, just the other day with Brody Grundy. Is while they may not maintain those massive supercoach numbers, especially talking supercoach here of you know high one twenties, one thirty for for Grundy, I still see even if they come back to the pack a little bit, and I think the ruck rules help both of them more than they do Goldie. I still see a, at least a 5, 10, 12-point gap between what they may bottom out to do and the peak of what Goldie could become.
1: And then on top of that, like, potentially, I'm just saying, yeah. he may, he's he got Fremantle or Brisbane in the first two games. So, I mean, there's every chance he... Uh, like, if Sanderlands is fit, which I know he's struggling with the top sure. at the moment, but it's going to be either Sanderlands or Sean Darcy, a very physical type of Ruckman. Mm. And then the next one, Stefan Martin, who... Like, I think um, Goldstein's always notoriously struggled against Brisbane. So, uh, I just, yeah, I I could see why you don't have him. But, yeah. I mean, people, I, I'm not particularly a big fan of this guy anyway. But, yeah. I mean, I could see why you don't have him in the top 50. But, again, I could see why people are probably looking at him. It's just, I don't know, like... To me, I just think Goldstein um, is so far behind Gorn and Grundy. Like, I just don't see the point of not spending that extra money to get to the top two.
0: A, s- a slight detour before we talk about our next play that's unlucky to miss the fifty. If for you, is it more so in the uh, limited trade formats of Supercoach and Dream Team? For you, is it very much you're either going set and forget Ruck, or you're going for a really low, cheap R two, a la someone like a Billy Longer, who we spoke about at the start of the fifty, most relevant and then pairing it with one of the Grundy's or Gorn's as opposed to getting these quasi kind of value, kind of premium, not quite there, could give me something. Is that how you see the game needs to be played in Dream Team and Supercoach?
1: Yeah, I, I it's one or the other. Yeah. I, uh, like, I mean, you just look at Supercoach last year, okay? There's 500 points between second and third. Hmm. for um, And they both played the same amount of games. Yeah. That's for the whole season. That's just too much difference. Yeah. Like, so if you started last year with a Stefan Martin and one of Gorn or Grundy, you know, I just hundred and twenties, high one hundred and twenty averages. Those two, five hundred points. MJ, it's like, huge.
0: That, that's like season not only over. That,
1: let's let's again, we got short memories. Like this time last year, people were saying Cox affected Grundy's numbers. And he Mm. came out and averaged 127. Like, yeah, I just, yeah, if you're going to spend the money, just spend the money and get gone.
0: Yeah, no, I think so too. Let's talk about the next player. Really well hyped last year. Not much about him this year. And maybe, maybe the fantasy community got it about 12 months early. Christian Petrarca. 21 games coming off the back of 22 in 2017. A bump of 9 points per game in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team up to 80.6. Just a handful, 3 or 4 points in Supercoach up to an 81.6. I'm seeing this kid build every single year. Not just his tank, not just his aerobic capacity, which is getting better. But when he's inside 50 or given those limited moments around the ball gosh, he is just one of the most dominant players that anyone around his size can't compete
1: against. So I think the main reason why you can't start him at the moment is because of that knee
0: yeah.
1: surgery injury over the preseason. Yeah. So again, I know people have been banging on about Clayton Oliver with the shoulders, but let's be honest, like that was a planned surgery Correct. that doesn't affect his fitness over the preseason. And that was he the only concern was- people had on him. He's got the kilometers in his legs, and he was tackling and playing contested ball last year with two bung shoulders. <laughs> so surely that's more relevant saying, well, if he averaged 109 across the format last year or better, then he's got every opportunity to average more this year. Mm. So, But with a Christian Petrarca, it's slightly different because it is a knee-related injury, which means you've got to build the muscles up a little bit before you do that running load. Yeah. So, I mean... It does affect your preseason, you know. Where, especially with a guy with a tank issues previously, sure. who's continually trying to build it, we really want to see this kid have an uninterrupted preseason, you know, and get those running loads into him. But unfortunately, this one hasn't. Is he going to be relevant later on, though? Great question, Upgrade. like. Can you though? Can you predict that at his price tags? why would you be choosing Petrarca over Wingard or Billings at this stage?
0: Well, and, and without the question marks on, on... Maybe Wingard's got the similar injury question mark right at this very moment in time, but...
1: Well, he's got a hammy, doesn't yeah, he? So, he does. So, like, I mean, he might miss the start of the year, but let's let's be honest, like, on the bubble, he, he's, he becomes very relevant. Absolutely. Especially both Billings and Wingard have been talked up about more midfield time and everything else. Um, like, I mean... Yeah, I just don't quite know the reasons why you go Petrarca after the pre-season injuries over those other couple that have featured in the top 50.
0: Yeah. Question. He's not the same sort of player, but the same sort of contrast in in fantasy score build. Is he similar to like Patrick Dangerfield in the fact that for years he was talked about danger when he was that mid-forward like Petrarca, where it was, we know a breakout's coming from a fantasy perspective. We're just not sure exactly when. Do you feel like that's very similar with Petrarca, that it's only a matter of time that he goes absolutely monstrous rather than I'm not sure he will.
1: Actually I think Petrarca, okay, is a totally individual type, unique type player. So his goal sense is uncanny, right? So it's right up there with the best going around. But does he can have, does he have the capability of playing on ball and just being a magnet, you know? And that's where I don't think he's the same as Dangerfield.
0: No, no, it was more in terms of how Dangerfield it is early on in his career. We knew he was going to break out as a fantasy player, but didn't quite get there. And then one year it all, just kind of clicked for him. Do you think that will happen? Or because of just the game style, the players around him, his importance to that forward 50 of Melbourne, we will never see that jump from 80 to a 110 seasonal average?
1: Well, I don't think Petrarca is ever going to be mid-only. So the thing with Dangerfield was he became mid-only Like, he became a pure mid, and he got his running ability, won the ball, but he could always win the ball. He Mm. was finding the ball from day dot. Petrarca showed it in junior football, but that was because he was bigger than everyone else. Yeah, You know, now that he's in the senior football, he's still got that uncanny goal sense. Mm. So he's still going to be required to kick the 30, 40 goals a year if Melbourne's going to compete, you know, for premierships and stuff. So I don't think that's going to be the case. He's not going to have the midfield time.
0: Yep, yeah, no, I agree with that. I think that's fair enough too. Let's talk about the last two players that were unlucky. And again, we could probably throw another 30 names in here, but two players that really are unlucky and very popular in their ownership. Uh, both are cash cows. One of them, the number one draft pick last year, Sam Walsh. Cade Simpson's has seen some talent roll through that football club in his time. Uh, Chris Judd certainly leads that um, as a player. Patrick Cripps, uh, one of their captains, rolling through there. For Cade Simpson to come out and say this kid's almost one of the most complete footballers he's seen, it is a huge rap. Um, he's a really impressive kid, is Sam Walsh. and pretty unlucky not to make the 50 most relevant to be honest
1: well yeah look I mean I can understand though like I mean if you're going to include um let's say Walsh do you include Rankin do you include Rosie like I mean how many draftees do you include well we've when you go
0: back in and look through the 50 most relevant and the guys that are cash cows they've Got some statistical data for us. We've seen what they've done at the lower levels. Granted, VFL, you know, SANFL, things like that, but it's guys like the Josh Corbett's. It's guys like the Michael Gibbons, and they're also basement price, which bodes well into their favour. Um, even someone that was revealed just yesterday in a Will Setterfield. It's guys that we've seen them do it against men, and we know what they're they're capable of. Whereas Sam Wash, we know he's going to be very, very good, but at this stage. He's probably gonna play a little bit more outside, which probably, you know, leans towards his strengths anyway. I still think he's gonna be a very good long term fantasy player. He's the clear number one pick for me in a keeper league. But to add him and is the top fifty most relevant, started to feel like I was squeezing, you know, a little bit of a square into a round
1: hole. I'm actually really surprised with his ownership numbers. Like, I mean, how many times do we have to make the same mistake? Mm. Like you know, it, it really, at the end of the day, it's like a hundred thousand dollars you can save to go to a one of these other guys, like a Gibbons or um, maybe a Meadows if he comes in, or someone like that. Like, sure. I'm I'm just a little bit confused why people keep making the same mistakes and going to these high ones. Like, I mean, look at McCluggage a couple of years ago; people thought he was going to come out and dominate. You had Petrarca, unfortunately, Whitfield. Doing knee. You had. Um, yeah, all of these number one picks previously, they're great players, mate, and they're going to take time. I've got no doubt in the world that Simpson's been 100% correct with mm. what he's saying, but he's probably projecting that in development and everything else, similar to what a Josh Kelly would be. Yeah. So, I mean, even a couple of years ago, now we're going back quite a few years ago, I remember um, Coniglio, um his draft here, okay, he went number 2 mm. Everyone jumped on board, and the guy that they missed was Toby Green, who um, absolutely smashed it early.
0: Yeah, and was
1: so considerably cheaper. A lot cheaper, like another 100000 in the kitty, I think it was, so, back yeah. then as well. So, I mean, I just, I don't know. I just, I'm not saying Walsh isn't going to go well. I'm just saying the reason why he's not in the top 50 for us is obviously it's hard to predict what these draftees are going to do with senior football,
0: yeah, and you've got guys that are in their you know early twenties that are priced you know eighty to a hundred thousand cheaper and probably have similar job security um in terms of the side they're a part of, so they're all factors in still a very good player, and again, like I said, I think he's the clear number one target in in a new keeper, maybe not a new keeper league, in an existing keeper league that's heading to the draft, you're just going to pick Sam Walsh, aren't you? Unless there's an absolute shocking drop that someone's thrown back to the pool, Walsh is a pretty clear pick, isn't
1: he? Well, and the other thing is, like, I mean, you only have to look at his teammate. Well, he is. He's a clear pick. But, I mean, Rosie and um, Rankin are close. Like, But, I mean, Paddy Dows, like, did, you know, we didn't have him in last year's top 50. Yeah. You know, and people were talking him up great guns last year. Davis Uniak. You know, so, yeah, look, I mean, at the end of the day, these draftees, We just don't know what they're going to do, do we? No, we don't. All right, last player
0: to wrap up this podcast episode. Uh, Again, one of these players, again, unlucky to miss the 50 most relevant. Christopher Burgess uh, picked out of the State League's defender forward, basement prize for us. Uh, Looks like he's going to work his way into that Gold Coast best 22 I think that forward defensive um, DPP and the ability to swing in with maybe someone like a a Darcy Moore or Connor Rosie could certainly bode well for you. The the question, Mike, I had around him as I was kind of building this initial 50 most relevant, it's become more clear as the preseason's gone on. I just wasn't sure if he was going to force his way straight into that best 22 of the Gold Coast Suns like I was about Corbett. I still think Burgess is a very, very good chance now at debuting in round one. But back when we created the list, that was my concern. that They might not have to play him from round one.
1: Yep, and that's probably a decent concern. Like, Burgess, um, i would never had any issues with him being top, like, best 22. But I can understand what you're saying. Like, Lynch leaves and stuff. Their forwards are, like, they're looking for a little bit extra goal scoring so Corbett comes in. But, I mean, you can't have five or six of these guys in the top 50 no so you just choose one or two and then you just go with the rest so i mean who knows like i really don't know who knows like which guy comes in which guy doesn't come in i noticed gibbons was in your top you know 10 which yep. makes sense because everyone's going to be on him you know i don't see any issues with him for round one they're you don't pick 26-year-olds not to play round one, yeah. whereas Burgess is that slightly younger, more of an intercept-type, half-back-type position. You know, he's going to be up against Thompson, King, you know, um, Leslie and a few others McLennan, down McLennan, they the drafted as well, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I could see why he may have a few question marks around his job security. So, yeah, nothing wrong with that, but, I mean... Having said that, he's going to be one of the most picked, isn't he? Because he's going to play round one and we need that security, especially with Harrison Week going down.
0: Yeah, no, I certainly agree, man. Uh, And those are just 10 names that I thought, look, they probably could have been argued to build in. And they probably are unlucky to miss, but then you've got to take certain players in and out, and it becomes this interesting thing. And like we said right at the start of this podcast, the 50 most relevant while well, yes is about creating a list and putting some players in order and not just throwing some names into the air, but trying to put a relevance conversation around it. The fact is it's subjective, and the fact is that at the end of the day, this is all about starting a fantasy football conversation as a fantasy football community make us all bigger and better to think differently at times think outside of the box, and then sometimes not overthink a really obvious decision.
1: Yep, and it shouldn't impact whatever you do in your teams. This is just a general conversation. I love these sort of conversations, to be honest.
0: Yep, no, I'm a massive fan of That's what I love about being a part of the coaches' panel. It's not telling people what they should do or what they shouldn't do. It's about having a conversation, providing all the information that we can to best help resource you with your Supercoach Dream Team, AFL Fantasy, your Draft Keeper, Seasonal Leagues, your Daily Fantasy, giving you all the information we can so that you can make an informed decision that best fits for you. And that's what we want to do, not just in the preseason, but right throughout every season from a fantasy footy perspective.
1: So I've got one name MJ? Oh, here we go. I've got to throw you at one. Yeah. Okay, so how close was Marcus Bontempelli from being in the top 50?
0: He would be... He would have been in the late
1: 60s. Fair enough. So if it was just super Coach, would he have featured? Yep. So it's just more because of DT and his AFL fantasy history?
0: Yeah, just because in Dream Team and fantasy, like he's had one really great stretch, one really strong year, you know, the Bulldogs sort of premiership here, but... Similar to what we speak about, the concerns for um, you know, Dunkley and McLean, I just don't... I feel like they're still going to use him a heck of a lot forward. I thought he was going to pick up forward status from champion data this year. That's how much forward time I thought he spent. And I still think they're going to need to use him there to create those avenues to goal. Um, and because of that, his midfield time and then the likely fantasy football output... Because diminished because he's not getting 30 touches a game. Um, they're going to want him to get 20 touches and two goals a game, not 35 touches and no goals a game. Supercoach, different story. You know, it's kind of the reverse of Devin Smith where it was, if it was just an AFL fantasy top 50, he walks in no problem. But because it's not a Supercoach only one, I really struggled to fit Bont in.
1: So I also assume that the Geelong mids, you know, the Kellys, the Ablets, the Duncan's, the Selwoods, same question. Even too many question marks. Yeah, like the Collingwood guys.
0: Yeah, same question. You know, and the the one positive is it seems like we've got some clarity about Patrick Dangerfield. But even last year, throughout the year, you look at how Kelly's year started, Duncan's year started, Menegola's year started. It's, even so, it's you just watch these trendits. that there's only so many points that a player's going to get each week and. It was really hard to predict last year which one was the right option. Probably it turned out Kelly was because he was the cash cow. But entering into the new year outside of Dangerfield with the forward status, I've got no confidence with which one I could say, yep, no problem at all. They're going to be the guy that's going to boom this year. Still have those concerns.
1: Yep, 100% agree.
0: All right, man. Hey, appreciate your thoughts. Talking about these 10 guys unlucky to miss the 50 most relevant.
1: No worries. Anytime.
0: If you want to check out uh, the article on this or any of the other 49 players we have revealed thus far, you can go and check that out at coachespanel.tv. And tomorrow morning at the website and also via Spotify and iTunes, we reveal who I've got as the number one most relevant player for 2019. Rids, I'll get you back on for that episode. And it may not be a surprise to you, but there's a real big important reason that I think not only is he the most relevant player, I think he's the most important selection for you in 2019.